teach. So let's begin um, in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, you remind us in your most holy word that there is an appointed time for everything, a time for every affair under the heavens. Grant us the grace and the wisdom to receive time as your gift, to spend it as you would will, and to be grateful for the opportunities you present to us. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us this morning that we might be challenged and encouraged. May my words be yours and yours alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, this is, in my opinion, I'm not, I'm not an expert at PowerPoint. I have, I made 40. Do we have more? Okay, good. It's too busy to come to work, the clicker. <laughs> no, no, no I, I think this is America's favorite word, busy, right? And so when I um, agreed to do this workshop, I started really listening to conversations. Um, in my experience, this is how they start. How are you? How's it going? Good. Did you have a good summer? Yeah, but it's so busy. Um, how's work? Good. But so busy, right? Is your school year starting off well? Yes, very well, but things are so busy, right? How are you? Good, but I'm so tired. If I could just get through September, right, then things are going to calm down and I won't be so busy, right? There's just so much going on, you know, we're just really busy, busy, right? I'm so busy. It's not like a joyful, happy, I'm so busy. It's more like this, right? <laughs> I'm so busy. Oh, I don't have this. Like that. There we go. Um, it's, it's, they seem burdened. They seem worn out. They seem weighed down and tired. Right? Like perhaps they're feeling like the word busy really stands for being I have a good friend who gave me that word. She's in the back. <laughs> and yet Jesus, right, in contrast, says to us, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Clearly, Jesus did not intend for us to be burdened, weighed down, and exhausted. But I don't think he intended for us to be idle either, right? I came that you might have a full life. Pope Francis at World Youth Day 
he said to the kids, right, you got to trade your couch in for a pair of walking shoes. That God didn't design us to be couch potatoes. I wondered if that, if you speak that in Italian? And <laughs> Spanish, does it translate? Is our couch potato in Spanish? <laughs> I wonder about that. I'm asking Father Steve, but I assume they know. <laughs> but I wondered about that when I heard. Um, so, so the question is, how do we get from here, right? From where we are, right? To, to there, right? To here, which is where I think we all want to be. And that's my own challenge day to day, you know, and that's why I said I thought this was so important. So what I wanna, where I wanna take you, I think today is, is in two areas. One, we have to look carefully at what we actually do every day. And I also think we have to look carefully at the attitude with which we do them. Because I think, back, I think looking at both of those critically can help us get to here, you know, where we wanna be. And, um, and what I'm gonna share with you this morning is just some things that have really challenged me personally and help me to fight this battle, which I feel like it's a daily battle, right? To try to stay here instead of like way down, right? Frantic. And so, so I don't want um, anything that I say this morning to come off like I'm, like I have it all figured out and I'm telling you what to do, because that would not be accurate. <laughs> that would be a lie. Um, but I do, I wanna, I wanna share some things with you. And this is the first thing the joy of progress. Many years ago, I read a wonderful book called Margin by Dr. Richard Swenson. And in that book, he talks about how our American system, our economic and governmental system, have brought incredible advances to us. Like no one can deny that, right? That's, it's incredible. Um, and it's brought us comforts that our ancestors could not even have imagined, right? I, I think about this, like I am very grateful for the fact that I have a heated house. Aren't you? <laughs> Sometimes I lay down in bed at night and I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this bed, right? Some people don't have those beautiful comforts. And I think about the advances in medical technology. Holy mackerel, what a gift, right? We have friends in Fort Pierre that just delivered a little girl, but they had been in Pittsburgh for months because they had an operation on the little girl in utero. I was like, I can't even believe they can do that, can you? What, what a gift, and it's an amazing thing. So, so, so many things that we've been given are gift, right? But we take, there, there's some problems. We never look at the downsides though in our culture, right? Because I think we're ingrained with this attitude that more is always better and new is always better, right? We, we think that, we think more is better, we think new is better. We don't even think about it, we just live that way. And we assume. And there are downsides to our progress. I think about the light bulb, like Thomas Edison was a brilliant man <laughs> and he invented the light bulb and it is a gift, right? But it does enable us to now run our schedules pretty much 24 hours a day. Back in the day, before the advent of the light bulb, when it got dark, we went to bed, <laughs> right? Which was a not a bad thing, because we all need sleep. <laughs> I think about an article I read a long time ago about the Amish people. We know about the Amish people because they're still running around in buggies, right? Horse and buggies. But it was interesting to me because in interviewing this Amish man, he said to the to the writer of the article, 
it's not that we think all technology is bad. He said, we just look at it and we decide, is this piece of technology really going to improve our lives or not? And if it isn't, if we judge that it isn't, we don't participate in it. But wow, that's an eye-opener. Like, how many of us have done that? How many of us, when the iPhone 7 came out, sat back and examined whether or not we really needed it? Is it really going to make my life better to have the iPhone 7? Or did you all go like, oh, I have to have it, right? It's new and I have to have it. So we just don't look at things that way. And so Richard Swenson argues in this book that this progress, which this train that we're on, necessarily and always causes our lives to get faster and more complicated. Uh, there are more things to manage. There's more information to sift through. There's more ways to spend our time, right? There's always more. And we just keep trying to heat more on, right? And there comes a point where we can't heat any more on. You know, things are just getting so fast and so complicated. And I believe never before in the history of humankind have we faced so many options for how to fill our time, right? And pretty soon, I don't know about you, I feel like I'm riding on this high-speed train and my life is just like going fast in the window and I can't even hardly see it going and I just want to jump off. Do you ever just want to jump off the train? <laughs> Do you, are you afraid you're going to die? <laughs> like, am I going to die if I jump off the train? I, I don't think we're going to die if we choose to jump off the train. Okay, and, and the other thing I think we have to ask, why do we want to jump off? What, uh, what's, what's missing in my life? What do I yearn for, like, like um, Jim was talking about, right? What are our desires? Dr. Swenson argues it's relationship. He says that as life gets faster and more complicated and more full of activity, we lose our margin. You know what the margins are? One inch margin? On the outside of the paper, it's the white space, right? In our lives, we try to write all the way to the top of the paper, all the way from the left to the right, all the way to the bottom. We have no margin left in our lives, and, and relationships need margin. If they're going to flourish, they need white space. They need leftover time, leftover energy, leftover money. And instead... You know, we're trying to fill up all the spaces. So then we feel frantic, right? And I think he's right. Because as Catholic Christians, we know that we were created out of love and by love and for love, right? God was love, created us for relationship. This is one of the things that Jim is talking about, right? We cannot live without love, is what St. John Paul taught us. I would argue that all that really matters in life is relationship. Your relationship with God first and your relationship with others. Everything else, as Father Shear so wisely said, Father Mark, it's just small stuff, right? It's just the small stuff. This is what we were created for. This is what brings us meaning and joy. And what has progress done for relationships? I would say, I would argue, it squeezed the time and the sense of perspective that they need right out of our lives, for the most part. 
Agree? Amen? Amen. Okay, so what are we going to do about it? Jesus says, if we want to move from feeling busy to feeling a life of joyful fullness, the thing I think we have to have first is a clear idea of where do I stand right now? How do I actually spend my time? And so the last page of your handout, I have, because we were, we were instructed this had to be practical. So I have a, I have a job for you to do. <laughs> I'm also a thief. I stole this directly from Christian Family Movement. So I just want to give them credit. Um, I'm going to give you a couple minutes to think about, and this is just an estimate, so you don't have to spend a lot of time. How do I spend my time? Generally speaking, how many hours a day during a work day? Am I at work? Am I sleeping? Am I, you know? Um, and then on the back side, I'm, that's homework for you to take home. I'd like you not just to estimate, but to really keep track of your week for one week. Before you go to bed at night, take five minutes, just write down exactly how you did spend your time. Those of you who know me know my husband's a banker. Right? So one of the first things he taught me when we got married is there's a thing called a budget. Who would have known? And um, so I had to keep one. <laughs> and so I stopped using cash and just started writing checks because this was before the days of debit cards. Started writing checks for everything for a whole month. Whoa, eye opener. <laughs> I had no idea where I was spending my money and it was really revealing to know exactly where it's going. I think time too, like money, we only have so much of it. Guess what? We all have 168 hours and no more. Um, so how do you actually spend it? Sometimes it's eye-opening. So I'm going to give you like three minutes to fill out your thing. Some of you are already doing it anyway. That's awesome. interrupt you one more time. <laughs> when I looked at this, it was, it was done in 1992. And <laughs> I thought in 1992 this was the perfect exercise for me, but one of the things that's missing in there for me is volunteer activity. And I bet it's missing for a lot of you too. So you, in that other, you might look at like what, how, how much time are you spending every week in volunteer activity? I'd say that would be under prayer, time with God. Isn't that on there, Eileen? Yes, prayer worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Fish Street playing the Jeopardy music. More than 24 hours in there because that's not fair. <laughs> oh, multitasking. Mm -hmm. We could talk about that, Kelly. I'm going to give you about one more minute. Remember, it's just an estimate. You have all kinds of time to work on the back page next week because you're all so busy. if you want to finish up. I couldn't help but think when I was listening to Jim this morning talk about his son Brian, right, and taking time to go on the dock. When he opened up that story, what did he say? I wanted to take my son for a walk, and we didn't really have anything planned for that night. Right? He had margin. So that story came out of margin, is what I was thinking to myself. What a gift. Um... How many of you are happy with what you figured out? Like your schedule is just like you would like it to be. Oh good, do you want to finish Jerry for me? <laughs> <laughs> He's retired, you're retired, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, when I did this, even when I did it a long time ago, I was not very happy with the way it all turned out. Um, these are some of the things that keep challenging me and help me stay away from being under Satan's yoke. It's a collection of quotes that I just that just keep coming up in my mind and heart over and over and over again. So I wanted to share them with you. Um, those of you who know me know I'm famous for my quotes, right? I just steal everything I <laughs> use in teaching from someone else. I want to talk about this one on the left, the first time, uh, first because. I heard it a long, long time ago, um, even before I was married. And this um, man set up this quote. He was telling the story about walking down the street one day and seeing something shiny on the road. And he's like, cool, I just found a quarter. And he picked it up, right? He said, one time I was really lucky. I was waiting for a bus, and in the gutter, there was a $20 bill. <laughs> My lucky day, I found a $20 bill. 
He said, but never, never in my whole life have I been walking down the street and all of a sudden found a half hour. Oh, a half hour. Oh, 15 minutes. <laughs> and, he, and then he said, we don't find time. We never find time. We make time. And we make time for the things that matter the most to us. And then he went on to say, where you put your time is where you put your life. And where you put your life is where you put your love. So what do you love the most? Because what's the number one thing on my chart? Work. Work. How many of you want to say, I love work the most? How many of you, that's your number one thing? So this is hard, right? This is challenging. I don't, I don't think, I think it's a challenge and it's hard, but it's a battle that we can win with Christ, right? I think we can remember what Jim said yesterday about, about the interiority of your heart, right? And your attitude. Um, but I also think as Americans, we need to challenge ourselves about our work because I'm gonna argue, and you might disagree with me, that's fine, feel free. <laughs> too many Americans work too many hours for too much money for too many things. And it doesn't make them happy. And it goes back to that idea of more is better, right? It's like it's, we breathe that into our, into our bodies with our culture. More is always better. And our economy runs on manufacturing needs, right? That's what marketing is. It's convincing you you need something that you didn't even know existed, right? And then convincing you to spend your money to buy it. And so, a couple of things that I just wanted to throw out there. 1950, the average square footage of a house in the United States of America was 983 square feet. 2006, the average square foot of a house is 2,346 square feet. Now, has family size gone up? or gone down, ladies and gentlemen, right? Right? Less people, more space, more stuff, and it's not even enough space, we have to have a storage unit, right? <laughs> right, because we can't even fit it in 2,346 feet. Do we need all that stuff? I mean, this is, I think it's a hard question we've got to ask ourselves, what am I working for? And the work that I do and the hours do I, that I spend, do they foster relationships? Because that's what we were made for, right? That's what we were made for. Am I, or am I looking for stuff? So, Father Ron Rollheiser wrote an article quite a few years ago about another American habit. We not only covet things, we covet time and experience. He says, think about the average American when they go on vacation, right? You go someplace new and you try to cram every single minute into seeing every single thing and go to every single museum and every single site that is there because you don't want to quote unquote miss anything, right? <laughs> he said, that's not the way God orders it. That's not looking at gift as a time, as, I mean time as a gift from God and experience as a gift that I receive from God. Instead, it's grabbing for as much as I can get. And I was like, oh, guilty. <laughs> I'm so guilty of that. 
And I fight this tendency, like just at the beginning of October, I was at the International Stewardship Conference. It's this huge conference, three different keynote speakers, over 80 workshops, thousands of people. And my temptation is like, I gotta go to every single one. And then, oh no, I wanna go to two or three, so I gotta buy two or three more, and then I'll listen to them on the plane on the ride home, because I got, there's so much information here, and I gotta get it all. And I had to stand back, and I said, Shauna, no, no, no. <laughs> this is not the way the Lord wants you to live. This is frantic, right? And I said, Lord, here are all my options. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to spend this next hour? And you know, like 12 workshops like fall right off the list because they're in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice. <laughs> the Lord is the Lord of light, right? Yeah. Okay. The other thing I think we have to do, so it's an attitude thing, I think we have to fight what I call the I have to's. I have to work. I have to have a house. I have to have. I have to, I have to, I have to. And, that, and the thing that helps me with that is Galatians 5.1. Uh, St. Paul says, for freedom, Christ set us free. It sort of strikes you as an odd statement. For freedom... Christ sets you free. What is he talking about? We always have a choice. We were created with free will. <laughs> free will. We can always choose. Christ wants us to choose with him and in him what would give him glory. But there are no have tos. I tell this to my kids all the time. You don't have to do anything. I really want you to get good grades. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you to drop out of school. I don't want you to, but you could, right? You could. You have the choice. You have the freedom. Um, so I think that we're, this is an invitation. St. Paul is giving us an invitation to step back and say, why am I choosing what I'm choosing? Because I am free to choose. So if I feel compelled, what is compelling me? And again, like Jim said, what is the desire of my heart? What am I really trying to get when I make this choice? Because I'm a free person and I can choose. And if you sit back with it, right, and reflect, and especially if you reflect with the Lord in prayer, what is the deepest desire of my heart? And then you decide, yes, I really do need to do this. This is the right thing to do. Then our whole attitude changes, right? And it doesn't become an I have to do it, right? It becomes I am choosing to do this for the glory of the Lord and because it's the best thing for me and for the Lord. And then our whole demeanor is different and it's no longer burdensome, it's full. You know, that's what I would argue. So another quote that's really helped me. Do not let the good things get in the way of the best things. Now the question is, what are the best things? Right? Just beg the question. There are so many good things out there. Don't you think? So many good things. So what are the best? What did Jim say is the best thing this morning? relationships, but particularly our relationship with God. Prayer. Prayer, right? Prayer, I would argue, needs to be written into your calendar. Write it down. It's an appointment you have with the most important person in your life. Period. <laughs> Write it down. If you have a dentist appointment on your calendar, do you miss it? You're like, oh, I'm too busy today. I'll have time for that tomorrow. No, but if God's on our calendar, right, we're always tempted. We're always tempted, I'll do that later. 
It'll have more time later. I'll do it after work. I don't have time this morning. I'm too tired or whatever, right? There's a thousand excuses, right? Don't let the good things get in the way of the best things. And as a parent of five children, this has been invaluable for us because there are so many good things to put your kids into, right? Activities, good activities. But if they start getting in the way of the best things, the best things being things that are going to work towards their salvation, right? Relationship, family time, dinner time, prayer time. My ability to pass on virtue to them. They're not the best things. And we have to say no to the good things. So we can save ourselves for the best things. Last week you might know this pretty, pretty popular guy, right? The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. <laughs> That's good, right? All right, so what, what's the main thing? <laughs> what's the main thing? I wrote a book quite a few years ago called um, A Rule of Life by Harley, Holly Perlow. A Mother's Rule of Life by Holly Perlow. Um, great book, whether you're mother or not, specifically directed towards mothers. But Holly's insight is applicable to all of us. And this was her insight. She thought about in our Catholic tradition, we have religious communities, right? And religious communities live with a rule, right? Like the Benedictines have a Benedictine rule. When Mother Teresa founded the Missionaries of Charity, she had to develop a rule of life for them. And how, do, how did Mother Teresa go about developing this rule? Well, first of all, she knew that she was called by God to serve the poorest of the poor, right? That was her mission. She knew her mission, and then she ordered her life, her rule, around the fulfillment of that mission. She knew that she was not going to be able to see Christ in every person that she ministered to if she did spend time with them every day, <laughs> right? So the missionaries of charity have a holy hour in mass in their schedule every single day, right? They're not always out on mission, right? As, as Jim said, they're allowing themselves to be filled like a reservoir, so that they can live out of that. She said, in the secular life, those of us who are in the world, those of us who are called to the vocation of marriage, we too have a mission. We too could have a rule, right? But it's gonna be, require us to sit back and think about what that is. One, what is our mission? And two, then how can I order my life, right? To fulfill my mission. So as a mother, right? And when I was reading this, my primary mission is to be a wife and to be a mother. That's what God has created me to do. I have to order my life for them first, right? First of all, for God, then for my husband, then for my children. And then all of the volunteering and all the work that I do outside of the home has to come after. And that's hard. That's why it brings tears to my eyes, because it's hard. <laughs> but it's so important. So important. And I spent most of my motherhood, my oldest child is 26. I've only been working one year. <laughs> um, I worked part-time for a lot of years, but I made a very countercultural choice, right? To stay home with my kids because they were my priority. And I would not trade that decision for any amount of money or things or prestige or ministry or anything. It was the greatest decision I ever made. And thanks be to God, to my husband who supported me in that, right? 
and who's a great money manager and a budgeter. <laughs> so we could live, we lived, we lived pretty poor, but we lived, we always had enough, right? We never had an extra, but we always had enough. And we had relationships, right? It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest gift. My son, Andy, is now a father. And um, I just celebrated my 50th birthday. And uh, in my birthday card, he said, Mom, the gift that you gave me, never, ever have I doubted that I was unconditionally loved. Now, I could have, that's the best gift I could have because I made the time for the things that are the most important. So God is never in a hurry. American life is on a fast pace, but God never is. So step back, right? Take some time and evaluate. Always ask why. Why am I doing this? <laughs> why is my schedule looking crazy? What can I cut out? Um, there was a time in our lives where I was feeling like I was on that fast train and I wanted to jump off, and they said to Brett, every single activity on our calendar, it's going on the table. And if it does not foster eternal salvation, it's, on the, it's a possible chopping block. <laughs> I know it sounds radical, but it works. It works, you know? Jacques Philippe um, says, that, says that God asks for everything, but he doesn't take everything. And that was my experience with putting it all on the table, right? And saying to the Lord, take what, you, take what I don't need in my life. You know, I gave him everything. He gave me back everything that I needed and more. Um, so St. Paul writes in Ephesians, God has equipped the church with all that we need to attain mature manhood so that we may no longer be infants tossed by waves and swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human trickery, from their cunning in the interests of deceitful scheming. That's Ephesians chapter 4. I think it's important, right? Don't we feel tossed about sometimes? Tossed about by the culture? Tossed about by I have so many things to do and I don't have time to do them and I know something's wrong but I don't even have time to think about what's wrong. I just have to keep going. <laughs> That's being tossed about like an infant. <laughs> and God has equipped us with all that we need to not live that way. <laughs> right? We have to trust. Are you laughing? You I tell me. You're looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm laughing with you, Julie. <laughs> you and I are on the same train, right? <laughs> all right. In the end. I think escaping the frantic pace of American life involves two things. What we do with our time and the attitude with which we do them. We need to focus on relationships and ordering our time and activities toward making ample time for them. When Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full, he meant a life full of love. That's the full life. And love takes margin which is space in our day, right? You have an appointment in 20 minutes and it takes you 10 minutes to drive there. That's okay. It's okay if you get there 10 minutes early. You don't have to decide to do two more things because I have 10 more minutes so I could do that. And then you get stuck in traffic or there's a train crossing, right? And you're late. And then you get frantic, right? I'm just telling you my life. Um, 
remember that for freedom, Christ sets us free. So if we make choices in freedom, right, and with prayer, and we make an intentional effort to order our lives in God's wisdom, our life will feel full. So be not afraid. wanted to share with you. These are just some of the, this is everything that I referenced almost, well, that I plan to reference today. Um, I take that little homework assignment from Taking Time to Make a Difference by the Christian Family Movement. I didn't talk about this book of Father Chris's, but it's a beautiful book. I'd recommend it. Um, Father Chris was on Pine Ridge, um, and somebody, a friend of mine said, Hey, Shauna, I've been reading this book, and I think it has a story in it that you were always telling. <laughs> it was true. I didn't know it was for Father Chris, but I knew Father Chris, and I, he told me a beautiful story. I retell it all the time. It's in the, it's in the intro, all right? It's about his experience on Pine Ridge. But it really does talk about what Jim's also talking about, that interiority. How do we work prayer into our everyday life, right? So he talks about three moments of the day and working prayer into it. It's a great resource. Then the book Margin that I talked about. Um, and then um, I guess Jim and I are on the same page, right? This is Time for God that he quoted in the second talk um, by Jacques Philippe and then A Mother's Rule of Life. So, okay, we have, we have time for questions. I was really scared I prayed that I would manage my time well and not talk too long. <laughs> God is good. So questions or comments for me, Father Steve?
talked about the finding versus making time. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, if we have a spiritual disposition to ask God for the gift of time, right? Mm -hmm. God doesn't say make, find. Right. He says ask, seek, and knock. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. if we ask God for the gift of time, mm -hmm. right? For the main thing to remain the main thing, right? I don't know how I don't have we don't have time to make the main thing the main thing, right? Yeah. Maybe, right? That's, that's God, I need the gift Calling me to make the main thing, I need to get the time to do it. I need to get that. You need to give that to me. Which so it's a spiritual disposition instead of like, I have to do it. I have to find the time. I have to make the time. That's an extra burden. That's that's busyness again. That's being under the yoke of Satan again. So it's a spiritual disposition. God, I need the gift of time. It's receptivity, right? right? It's receiving as a gift the 24 hours we've been given. Right? And then the second thing was. The main thing, the main thing, right? And even you mentioned it, right? My main vocation is, you know, God, um, wife, wife, and mother, right? So I'm wondering how many people, right, understand, right, that God, as the first priority, puts us in a relationship, what that relationship is, right? And it's not because we so often think of ourselves as I'm a priest, right? I'm a wife and a mother, right? I'm right? But how do we keep the main thing the main thing? Who are we called to be in Christ? Child of God, right? right? Who is who is the Son? He is the Son. So it's it's having an, an additional disposition to like who am I? More foundationally than wife and mother, right? right? You're, I mean, your daughter. identity, mission, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Like, exactly what Father wrote on the cards, like your mission, mm -hmm. right? Relationship with your mission. Because wife and mother is part of your mission. Yeah. Your your mission to it be in Christ my, it is, is my mission. Yeah. Your mission to be in Christ is more primary, is more foundational, right. and that mission is to be daughter yeah. first. Yeah, absolutely. Or to be son. It's lunchtime. I don't want to keep you too long. It is 11.45, but I'm, I'm glad to stay. But if you need, if you want to go, if you need to get up and go to the bathroom, it's 11.45. It's not a question. It's just a comment. But that's so perfect because um, I was talking to the parents, a couple of the parents in my kids' first communion class, and they were just saying, oh, you know, today's the last soccer game. Now it's going to be, we're going to have time. We'll, we don't have to leave early or we won't be here late for first communion lessons. And, but then this starts and that starts, and I was like, how can I say to them, 
you know, it's good for you kids to be involved in sports events and this kind of thing, but it's wrong to ask. It's, it's a good so thing. This, this but it's is, not yeah, the best thing. But it's not the best thing. So I'm going to use that quote. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I think we all get to that point. Okay. Karen. To go back to what I said earlier, having been a parent of eight children, <coughs> some of my <coughs> No, I'm just thinking that you know, for the younger parents here, 